0: Some of the old days when um, those of you who remember the renewal, the Toronto renewal, which didn't turn out so well for other churches in some cases, but turned out really well for us for a long time. And uh, we just had a grand time. We were here, and some of you will be aghast at this, but we stayed here until about 12 o'clock on Friday night because the Spirit of God was so sweet and it was such good ministry that was going on. And we had a special guest speaker, Desiree. Um, Fox from uh, from Newark as a matter of fact from a little church in Newark that she and her husband started and uh, it was a, she was a really, really accurate prophetess and she gave some prophetic words to people and she and her team gave prophetic words to people that were amazing and at one point this is a really free meeting on these Holy Spirit Nights. If you have an opportunity to come out to them, I really encourage it. I mean, God is good here when we gather on Sunday morning. And I think we have... He's good all the time, I know. But, uh, but when, we, when we do gather here, uh, there are some time constraints that we have that we don't have when we have our special meetings on a Friday night or a Saturday night. And so, for instance, last Friday night, we had worship for at least an hour and a half. And there's a cumulative effect sometimes, right? So by the time we came to the end of worship, our worship leader encouraged us in the joy of the Lord, and we broke out in a a tremendous, joyful song, and people were dancing. I know that hopefully that doesn't offend any of your religious sensibilities, but we... uh, we, uh, uh, we were dancing before the Lord and just enjoying such loving fellowship with each other, and it was a, a real blessed time. And, and and you get to do that kind of stuff when you have more time and, and less constraint. So I, I really kind of give a plug to Friday night. And we also had a time when a, a, a guy I, I didn't know, no one knew him. He came to the first time, but I trusted him, and he said he had a word to give, and he gave a word and then called for healing and there was a healing power of God that really was released in the room. And here's a testimony that I want to share with you that was sent to me on Saturday, and it's from uh, our sister who's not here usually is uh, on uh, uh, on at the at the nine o'clock service, Sandy Collins, and she starts out: "Yes, <laughs> my neck has not been back to normal since the car accident in July of 2015." Now, when you think, okay, a neck problem, and you may think, isn't that kind of minor? If you've had it since 2015, it's not minor. And if, and if you're in pain because of your neck, it's not minor to you. And so what God does to heal us in any way is a wonderful thing. And sometimes he heals us just through our immune system's normal built-in healing Repair mechanism that God's given us, but other times there's an injection of divine power that flows in and brings about the healing. So she says, when Desiree, who was our special uh, guest speaker, had us pray for healing, I must have been unknowingly healed. I didn't realize it until about 1 a.m. So an hour after the service ended. I had, she happened to notice at that time, I had no pain in my shoulder or neck, and I had improved movement. Wow, I am surprised, amazed, and delighted that Abba Father heard my little prayer. My faith? Well, yep, maybe the size of a grain of mustard seed, but that was all it took. What a faith builder. Thank you, Jesus, and thanks to Desiree for hearing and moving in the healing power of the Lord. So, good stuff, right? good stuff. It's good to have testimony. Okay, Well, what I want to do today is I want to finish up uh, the teaching on royal praying. Uh, Those of you who were here last week heard that I uh, did talk about this particular topic. I didn't have slides. My wife, who's getting better every day, which is great, right? Let's all break out. Let's all break out in the Chicago song, getting better every day, Bom boom, boom. <laughs> Let's not. All right. <clears throat> so uh, she is getting better every day, and she's back into the slide business, slide preparation business. So I've got slides. And what I will not do today is I will not reteach what I taught last time, which I tend to do when I do a two-parter. And I've been told that, and it's true. Uh, And I don't want to do that, so uh, we're going to blow through the initial slides and then we're going to get to the second part of the teaching. So Holy Spirit, would you come and would you be the teacher this morning? Lord, would you lead us into all truth and would you show us what you want us to uh, see and then impel us to do what we see, in Jesus' name, amen. So next slide. All right, so Revelation one six uh, and 510 uh, tell us that we have a dual identity. actually we have many different aspects of identity in Christ, but the two that are focused on in these scriptures are that we are kings and priests and I told you last week most translations render that a kingdom of priests, but There are some other translations which, taken from a different manuscript that they work from as they translate, comes out uh, kings and priests. And so I focus on us being kings in the Lord, in the king of kings. We are kings and priests in our high priest. Chosen people, royal priesthood. Next slide, please. All right. And based on this identity, that we can operate in the spirit spiritual world, as rulers, as kings, as commanders. And again, this is challenging if we think about it. We've had a week to think about it now, but it takes normally, what, seven or eight weeks of doing something different before it becomes a habit? So we're probably not there yet, but we are under the same mandate that the Lord gave us, gave, uh, gave to his disciples in Matthew 10 go announce to them the kingdom of heaven's here heal the sick raise the dead cure those with leprosy cast out demons cure those with aids would be the more contemporary application so the seemingly impossible to cure in the world diseases are to be cured in the name of Jesus by the church and so we need to grunt to the impossible, instead of shrinking back from the impossible. Mark 16, 17, and 18, this applies to not just the 12 or the 70 who were sent out, but it applies to the whole church. Those who believe, Jesus said, will heal the sick. So that's the first thing. By the way, let me say to you, and I, I probably said this last week, but if I didn't, it's good to hear it, that I believe that healing the sick is an operation of the kingdom through us that's for everyone who is a believer. Everyone. And I believe also that casting out demons when necessary is an operation of the Spirit that's to every believer. So if you're not trained, and there is an aspect of this ministry that can be learned... I mean, obviously the source of the power is the Lord and the power is the Lord's, the power that operates to heal the sick and cast out demons, it's the Lord's. But we can be trained in how to more biblically and more appropriately apply that power into the lives of other people. And so we're going to have a, a, heal, a healing, we're going to have healing and deliverance and prophetic training times before our Saturday night Holy Spirit nights coming up. And we have um, a number of them coming up between now and June. So the ones that are on Saturday night, we're going to have equipping times from 2 to 5.30 on Saturday afternoons, and then we're going to have dinner together and then go into Holy Spirit night. So it's going to be kind of a, almost a whole day type of thing, if afternoon and evening of getting together. But if you're not trained to heal the sick, if you're not trained to cast out demons, then come on out and receive that training. It ought to be part of your equipment as a spirit-empowered believer in Jesus Christ. So heal the sick, cast out demons, speak with new tongues, and be supernaturally protected. So this is part of the heritage that we have in our Lord. Next slide, please. Okay, Now, I want to take the basic concept that I have expressed to you of us being kings in the Lord in terms of praying and in certain certain categories of what we're tackling in prayer. That, That being particularly dealing with evil. That which is evil is to be prayed against in the name of Jesus in a royal way as a king in the king of kings ruling in the realm of the spirit. And the realm of the spirit is a higher realm of reality that rules over the realm of nature. So if in the natural there's sickness in the spirit realm if the power of the spirit of God is released into the natural realm because it's a superior power, it will transform the natural realm. And so that's why healing, healing can take place in a lot of different ways. We do not discount medical healing. We know God gives wisdom and medical healing is, is, uh, is good, but it's limited. And divine healing is unlimited and so the impossible is the realm that God loves to tackle through his own power. So that's what, when, you know, we look at all these mechanisms of healing working together. So I want us to look now at the, what's called the, the New Testament Healing Covenant. There's a passage in, Russ, where it is exactly, the Old Testament Healing Covenant, Exodus something or other, right? The Old Testament Healing Covenant. I will put these diseases on you no more. Exodus 15. Okay. So there's an Old Testament healing covenant. A covenant is an agreement between two parties, in this case between God and his people, governing the conditions under which certain things will come to pass. And the healing covenant in the Old Testament is that if God's people will walk in his ways and trust him, exercise faith in him, that then he will keep disease away from us and heal that which needs to be healed in our lives. The New Testament covenant is found here in James 5, 14 and 18. You're going to see something, I think, that you've never seen before that's going to flow out of this passage and it has to do with this part of our identity in Christ as royal prayers As those who pray, as kings, we decree and command things as opposed to going to God and asking for things. So that's it essentially. The priest goes to God and asks. The king commands in the authority that he has by virtue of his position as a king. Okay, so let's take a look at this. Are any of you sick? This is from the New Living uh, Translation. You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. And let me just stop right there and say that, yeah, we had elders in the church, and we have elders in the church, those who occupy a specific office within the church. And I think they are being pointed to here, but I, I, I would like to extend this a little and sort of uh, indicate those who are the mature ones in the church. And it's simply true that in any given church, there is those who are less complete. That's the, word. the word mature means complete or fully developed. There are those who are less complete in this realm of the kingdom of God. And there are those who are more complete, more fully developed in their capacities as, as citizens of the kingdom of God. And so I believe that this could apply also not just to those who are appointed elders in a church, but to those who are older in the spirit and therefore have more authority that God has imparted to them to release uh, his power. So the elders of the church come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the, of the Lord. So, I mean, the implication here is that the person who is sick is so sick that he or she can't come to the gathering of the believers because we know that in the gathering of the believers too there's there are gifts of healing that are released and so there. are was healing in the early church as the people gathered together. But in this case, the elders go. Now, the prayer of faith. Now, this royal praying that I'm talking about, the prayer of command. In Jesus' name, I command this and that so that evil is dispelled. Okay, now that, that operation of the spirit I think, can legitimately be called the prayer of faith. Now, it has other names as well. I've heard it called authoritative prayer. I've heard it called commanding prayer. But biblically, I think we can give it the label, the prayer of faith, and be accurate. The prayer of faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. So operating <clears throat> this thing called the prayer faith will, in fact, bring healing to the sick, but it's the Lord's power who's going to make them well. So always the Lord's power, but we have something to do. So just like the electricity is not in us, but we have to turn the switch for the electricity to flow and do what we want it to do. So the electricity is, the power is the Lord's, but we have to be the ones who, with knowledge and with accuracy, turn the switch in the right way. If we don't know how to turn the switch, the power won't come on. And so this is, this is an important thing to understand about how God operates in the earth. He operates in partnership with his people. We have a part to play. He has a part to play. He'll do his part if we do ours. But if we don't, then maybe in his mercy he'll do something, but he covenants with us to do something if we do our part, and that's where we want to end up. That's part of being mature. So if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. We could teach a long time on on elements of this passage, which I won't do, but a lot of these uh, phrases, words here, have to do with, with um, the nature of healing. So some sickness is caused by personal sin. And this is what's being addressed. If there is personal sin, that's causing the sickness, then those sins will be forgiven so long as there's confession of those sins to each other. And then the prayer occurs after the confession, they may be healed. Now this final sentence in this passage is something I really want you to see. So I've wanted you to see so far the prayer of faith. Now I want you to see the last sentence in the passage. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So this earnest prayer is, in my view, the same kind of prayer that is being referred to by the prayer of faith. Now we've got prayer faith, we've got earnest prayer. Now the author of the letter, James, goes on in verse 17 and he illustrates, he gives examples of what he means and the Holy Spirit is, of course, speaking through him. So what the Holy Spirit is teaching us, the meaning of the prayer faith and the earnest prayer of the righteous person. And by the way, this means the, the person who is righteous by virtue of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, there's more I could say about that. Inworked righteousness is one thing. Outworked righteousness is another. Both are important. We could talk about that later, but I don't want to pursue it now. So anyway, in 17, we come to examples of the prayer of faith and the earnest prayer of the righteous person. And the examples focus on Elijah's praying. Now Elijah, of course, to the New Testament believers, the early church, was a well-known figure from the Old Testament who was a man of power, who was a man who, whose operation in the Spirit healed the sick, raised the dead. <clears throat> I even think there was a, was there a casting out of, was there a healing of leprosy? I'm not sure about that. That was Elijah or Elisha, Okay. So we know Elisha did that with Naaman the Syrian, right? But don't know that that was true of Elijah. But Elijah moved in power, raised the dead, produced supernatural food, stuff that Jesus did. Jesus was operating in that kind of prophetic, Old Testament prophetic power flow. He was operating in that too. So Elijah was a human like we are. So this is, this is, you know, he's not a superman whose prayers were so far up in the spiritual atmosphere that we can't possibly do as he did. And this is exactly what James is saying. James is saying the kind of prayer I'm talking about here for you New Testament believers, the kind of prayer that heals the sick is the kind of praying that Elijah did. Okay? And yet when he prayed earnestly, when Elijah prayed earnestly that no rain would fall for three and a half years, it didn't. And then when he prayed, something's missing there. (laughs) And then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. Now, the language here is very interesting. And I want to really challenge you guys to just think through this idea of prayer again. Because when I think of prayer... And I think when you think of prayer, we all think, (laughs) you think, I think, we all think, we all think of going to God and petitioning him for something. Don't we think that's the basic meaning of prayer? And I will say to you, that is one basic meaning of prayer. It's called petition. It's called supplication. It is a priestly kind of praying, as I said last week. It's valid operates and should operate in many different contexts but what I've discovered and what others this isn't just my own discovery but it's been kind of reinforced to me recently what I've discovered is that when the early church prayed against evil they prayed against evil not from a priestly position but from a kingly position and disease and sickness are evil so when Prayer for sickness was made by the disciples in the scriptures and by Jesus in the scriptures. It was done from a royal position as commanders in the realm of the spirit. So I want to stretch your understanding because James calls it prayer, and yet, and yet we might call it something different, but it really is prayer. It's just a different form of prayer. It's commanding prayer, it's authoritative prayer. Next slide. Now, because I want us to see this so clearly by looking at the Old Testament passages where Elijah prays in the way that James tells us is our example of how we should pray when we pray for the sick. And it's the way I want you to pray when you pray for the sick, Because you're going to automatically default to petition prayer. And I want to say to you, don't do that. I want to slap your little spiritual hands. Don't pray like a priest when you're praying for people to be healed. Pray like a king. Pray like a queen. Okay? All right. Let's look at these examples. 1 Kings 17, 1 and First Kings eighteen forty one through 46. These are the two incidents of Elijah's praying that James refers to as illustrations of the prayer of faith, that we're to pray when we pray against the sick. Now Elijah the Tishbite from, what? Tishbite from Tishbite, that's not right. From, I don't know how that got in there. So Elijah the Tishbite from actually the city of Tishbe, In Gilead, said to Ahab, the king of Israel, Now the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, as he lives, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. Now, just hold a second. Except at my word, another translation that I found which I really love because it perfectly illustrates my point, (laughs) says, except by my command. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, so he's basically identifying the power he's operating in. This is important in the Old Testament because there were many competing gods who claimed to have power in the earth. So the prophet of Yahweh spoke... And said, by the God I serve, the God of Israel, Yahweh, this is the God I'm speaking for. By the way, that's why the Old Testament prophets, when they prophesied, said, thus saith the Lord. They were distinguishing between the God they were prophesying by versus the God the false prophets were prophesying by. So that's why we in the New Testament don't have to say, thus saith the Lord. Because we're speaking to Christians and we know we're Christians and so we don't have to do that. It's kind of an Old Testament holdover. What we what we should say is the Lord wants you to know or the Lord says this to you or something like that. But we don't have to use that tagline because that was an identifier in the Old Testament that the prophet speaking was the prophet of Yahweh. Okay. So he says, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except by my command. Is that a priestly prayer? No, he's not, look, he's not praying to God, is he? He is representing God and speaking God's will to the people, right? Now, actually, he's speaking God's word to nature, isn't he? He's basically saying there will not be rain or dew on the ground. That is the present So from that point on, for what, three and a half years, I think it was, I said that in James, for three and a half years, there was nothing on the ground that was moist. So he commanded nature as we command bodies. Bodies are part of nature. Whoops. I unhooked myself. Bodies are part of nature. Bodies are made of the dust of the earth. We have authority over the dust of the earth. We have authority over the earth. We are descendants of Adam and Eve who were given the mandate of dominion over the earth. In Christ that's restored and made strong and we have the same authority Adam and Eve have over the earth except, except now greater, you know, spiritual authority is operating through us. So we have Natural authority as human beings over the earth. But we also have in Christ spiritual authority over that same earth. And so this is why, is this thing coming through? This, this is why we can speak to bodies which are, are, are uh, containers of minerals and stuff made from the earth. We can command those things to obey what God's will is, which is wholeness healing, and it must be done. And the higher we rise up in our identity and we're confident that we are the people who can do that in Jesus, the more it will happen. Now that's, that's the mystery of faith. There's, there is such a thing as great faith and there's such a thing as little faith. It's real. So we can grow in faith. And when we grow in faith, then the more faith that we can exercise, the more God can operate his power through us. So that is an example of royal praying. That's the example, the first example given by James. The second example is found in 1 Kings 18, 41 through 46. Again, many, many truths can be mined from this passage, but I'm just going to focus on a couple. And Elijah said to Ahab, Ahab, <clears throat> To the king, again, go eat and drink, for there is the sound of a heavy rain. That's very interesting, because I believe that Elijah had received a supernatural hearing, a kind of word of knowledge of hearing. I believe in the spirit realm, Elijah prophetically heard a rainstorm coming. And so he knew that it was God's will that the time of drought was coming to an end. And he, Elijah, whose word started the drought, was going to be the same instrument of the Lord whose word ended the drought. Okay? So Ahab went off to eat and drink. This is an interesting contrast. Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. Now Mount Carmel is a a mountain that's right on the sea um, of uh, the Mediterranean Sea, in fact, and it's right at, right at the corner of uh, northern um, Israel. Uh, I think it might be in Samaria, I forget. But anyway, it's right on the corner, and if you go up the top, you can, in fact, look out over the sea. That's important to realize just from, from the facts of the of the passage. Elijah climbed the top of Mount Carmel, bent down to the ground, put his face between his knees. Now, many people who've commented on this Scripture indicate that Elijah is basically assuming the position of birthing. Okay? I mean, that's what this is, and this is what I think was happening. He was in the natural realm doing spiritual birthing, and he was birthing the coming of rain back onto the earth. Now, he had a servant with him. He said, go look out to, toward the sea. And he went up. The servant looked. There's nothing there. He said, seven times, Elijah said, go back. And the seventh time, the servant reported, I see a cloud as small as a man's hand. that's rising up from the sea. So Elijah said, okay, that's it. That's what we're looking for. Now, what's really interesting about I mean, so much spiritual truth in this passage. The fact that Elijah was birthing something in the spirit realm that then came in the natural. And that's that interplay again. The spirit world is the higher reality world, governs the natural. And what was seen was something very small that then grew into something larger, the seed principle, Right? I mean, there's so much we could talk about here. But what I really want you to see is that seven times Elijah assumed the position of birthing. Now, we don't have any information given to us of the way Elijah prayed. But I believe, given kind of the context of it and the way he prayed to begin the drought, that I'll bet you he prayed the same way as he prayed back in 1 Kings 1. I bet he prayed in a commanding way as a king. So I bet when he was down there he was he was saying in the name of Yahweh <laughs> rain come drought end. If you'll notice a lot of the way Jesus prays when he prays like a king it's in short little commands like that. See ear be opened. I mean there's just such a such a uh, Concentration of force in the spirit realm that Jesus operates in, he doesn't need many words to do it, because it's the power in and through the words that are op- that, that's operating here. So seven times he did this, and the seventh time, the eighth, what the uh, uh, the command said, or the servant said then Elijah said go and tell Ahab hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you meanwhile the sky grew black with clouds the wind rose a heavy rain started falling Ahab rode off to Jezreel the power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking his cloak into his belt I think this is kind of funny actually he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel so he outran a guy with horse and chariot why why did God do that? I have no idea. <laughs> to show off? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you know. If you know, you tell me. <clears throat> I mean, it did demonstrate the superiority of the power of Yahweh to the power of Baal. So, I mean, it did have that effect. So, <clears throat> but I want you to see this because this is a beautiful illustration of the power of Persistence. You know, and in the New Testament, we're commanded to watch and pray. Watch and pray. And this is really what happened here, right? Prayed, then he watched. They prayed and he watched. And he watched until he got a result. And as the results started forming, then he said, okay, it's there. All right. And then there's no indication he prayed anymore because he prayed through, he knew the work was done, and he stopped. Now, I want to apply that to healings, my last point. We often think that if we don't get the result that we're after, and it's okay to be after the same result God's after, by the way. That's not selfish. That's just aligning your own will with God's will. If we pray once and we don't see the rain start, the healing begin to come, Then we should pray again. We should command again. We should command again. And it's interesting that the number seven is used here. It reminded me actually of the disciples' question to Jesus how many times do we forgive? Seven? No, 70 times seven. Jesus' answer one. So it seems like there's an unlimited number of operations of the spirit of this kingly. Principle. I mean, Elijah did it seven times, and, and, and it came. But for us, some of us may need to press into God, and we may need to pray a hundred times. John Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, prayed over 900 times for sick people before he got one healing. That's persistence. Wouldn't you have given up at 899? He never gave up. He was convinced that the Bible said that we believers are to heal the sick. And since the Bible said it, he believed it was for him and his church in Anaheim, California. And so he pressed in. And the 900th, roughly the 900th time might have been, that's probably a little inexact, who knows. But it was a lot of times, and it was hundreds, Got to that one point, and finally, boom. And you know what? That tipped something over in the realm of the Spirit. From that point on, there were more healings that happened under his ministry than who didn't get healed. So, you see, beforehand it was nothing. Then there was some catalyst point that was reached. And then, boom. I mean, you supply the reasoning there. All I'm looking at is reality like that. And I know that's what I want. I want to get better at this. I know we all want to get better, but here's the key. Be persistent. Command in Jesus' name. Back. Be healed. I get up the next day. It's not healed. I'm going to do it again. I'm going to get somebody else to pray for me for healing. If there's a healer who comes to town who's got a good track record in healing, by the way, I will be the first person at the meeting. I think it's ridiculous. Honestly, I'm not this is not I'm not railing against you, but if you have stuff wrong with you and you know that Holy Spirit knights have people here who move in the realm of the spirit more than normally, why wouldn't you be here? Honestly, I would. I am. Because <laughs> I don't I mean, you know, there's stuff little stuff wrong with me. Praise God, there's nothing big wrong with me. Well, some people would think that maybe there is something (laughs) wrong with me. But um, little stuff goes wrong, and I don't like that either. So it goes wrong, I get it healed. I've been healed hundreds of times of hundreds of things by the Lord's grace. And I think that's normative. So, all right. So we see royal prayer, commanding prayer, in Jesus' name, spine be healed. In Jesus' name, stomach be made well. So much more we could say about it, but if you, if you just want to get started in this, simply pray, be healed in Jesus' name. That's a command. Be healed. You don't have to get specific. People who do get specific, do it for a reason. They're led that way, and sometimes it works better, to be honest. Why? I'm not quite sure why. But all I know is that a lot of the prayers in the Bible... Have, New Testament have to do with be healed, be made well, be made whole. That's a legitimate biblical royal prayer. All right, say after me, in Jesus' name, in Jesus name. Be, healed. be healed, in Jesus' name, in Jesus name. Be, made whole. be made whole. All right, you can pray for each other. You can pray for yourself, and that's prayer, but it's, it's directional from the Lord through you, into something that's what the direction is for world prayer. let's stand together lord we thank you for your word wow your word has such treasure in it god and lord i pray that the revelation of your word today would uh sink deeply into our hearts here in this church and lord that we would pray more biblically, and I believe, therefore, more effectively, as we pray for the sick and God, we pray. We I pray that not only would this be true of healing here in the four walls of this church and in our homes, Lord, but out on the streets and the marketplace and the neighborhoods, God, we pray that we would take the kingdom of God out and this lavish and abundant treasury of 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 great spiritual wealth, Lord, would be released way beyond us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.